What would it take to arouse your life, to experience more connection, more pleasure, more realness in and outside of the bedroom? I'm August McLaughlin, and this is Girl Boner Radio. Have you ever had a sexual experience that went nearly the opposite of what you had hoped for? I think most of us have. And we have probably all daydreamed of better experiences. Candy Steiner has done so big time. And what she conjures up as alternatives go far beyond her own mind. Candy is an international best-selling author best known for writing romance that, quote, hurts a little before it feels good. Which is sort of how her experience with sex has been, or at least casual sex. It hurt at first. In the case you are about to hear about, it hurt literally. And not in a kinky, pain-you-want kind of way. And stopping it, both that experience and casual sex in general, felt dang good. Before you hear her story, I have to rave a little bit about this episode's sponsor, because I genuinely love them. This episode is supported by Zencaster. It's an all-in-one podcast production suite and it gives you studio-quality audio and video from home without needing all of the technical know-how. I switched to Zencaster for recording my interviews a few months ago, and I have been so impressed. It records each person locally, so even if the internet wobbles, you won't miss a beat. Learn more and save 30% on your first three months at Zencaster.com pricing. And enter the code GIRLBONERRADIO. Now, Candy's story. At the time that my friend and I had this encounter, I was freshly divorced and young, divorced very young. And so it was sort of this experimental time in my life. I was figuring out dating for the first time. I hadn't ever really dated before. I met my before husband in high school. So unless you count getting walked to my locker between classes, I had no experience in dating. But I was also sort of thrown into this hookup culture, which I discovered very quickly I'm not a fan of, and it does not sit well with me. So navigating that and trying to figure out every person's intentions that I spoke to and that I had an interest in was very challenging. It was a roller coaster to say the least. Sex with someone she had just met or barely knew just felt off to her. You know, I never really could get into the one night stand state of mind. I have quite a few friends who are into it and I love that for them. I think it's it seems so freeing and exhilarating and, and just has such potential, or at least I thought it did. But my experiences, unfortunately, were never good in that manner. I think for me, a sexual connection is more intimate. 
I have to feel connected to the person, which I think is why when my friend and I had this experience, I was sort of optimistic. Plus, he was really funny and someone she felt comfortable hanging out with. He had sort of told me in not so many words that he was interested in me and wanted to take me out. And I took that for what he was telling me. Again, I was not really versed in trying to read between the lines. If he wanted to take her out, that must have meant out on a friendly, casual date. You know, get to know her. Hang out. So one night she was like, Maybe I should just give this a shot. He's nice. He's not typically the kind of person I go for, but he seems like maybe he could be a good guy. So I just asked him if he wanted to hang out and I thought he was going to come over and we would just sort of break the ice and see where things went. But he very quickly made his intentions clear that he wanted to hook up. Oh, what did he do exactly? Well, we were talking, both having a drink and having a great conversation. I was really enjoying myself. And like in the middle of a story, he was like, yeah, so we should just put on a movie. I was like, oh, okay. So they put on a movie. She doesn't remember what one. The opening credits had not even passed before he was making a move. And, and we started kissing and one thing led to the next. And I was like, okay, like this is very clearly where this night is going. I'm fine with it. I guess we'll see what happens. She described what followed as a nightmare from the beginning to the end. He spilled his beer in his attempt to sort of maneuver us into the position he wanted all over my couch and my carpet. And so I had to fight against like my instant reaction, which was to clean that up. Right. I'm like, oh, this is this is great. This is like what happens in the movies. I'll clean it up later. It's fine. Then he broke her glasses, which was also unfortunate because I loved those glasses. And if you wear glasses, you know that prescription ones are not cheap. So one thing led to another. I'll leave out some of the more sinister details, but the worst part was the meat of this story that I've elected to tell, which is that he was like a 12-year-old boy when I took my shirt off. I mean, you would have thought he'd never seen them in his life. His eyes grew to like triple size, and he had this goofy grin on his face. She said it was as though he had just met Mickey Mouse for the first time. And that definitely made her feel like he was more focused on her body than on her. And she knew whatever connection that she had thought they'd had was null and void because, quote, he clearly just saw her as a piece of meat. At least, that's how she felt. I, I wondered from the moment that, it, that we started this encounter what it was going to be like. And the first time that he touched me, I, I knew exactly what I was in for. And I wished that I could go back in time and undo the invite to having him over. Oh, so you wished that you could uninvite him. I think so many of us have had experiences where the sex isn't ideal or it doesn't feel good at all, but we keep going to sort of get it over with or because we feel like we owe it to the other person or something. Did you feel that way? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. My friends and I have talked about this now that we're sort of older and 
recognize that we don't owe anybody anything, right? But at that time in my life, I certainly felt like I did. I was like, I invited this guy over, he brought beer. Clearly he thought this was the intention. She didn't really feel the power to stop it in that moment. So things progress and... I can just tell that he is like... Holding onto her breasts for dear life. Like a gear shift or like you would hold on to the handle of a roller coaster when you're going over the top of it and barreling down towards the ground. And I'm trying to sort of give subtle cues like, hey, you know, please stop doing that. Like kind of like trying to guide his hands in other places. But he doesn't seem to get it. And I get to a point where it's no longer something that I can shrug off. It's no longer something that I can say, okay, this is fine. I'll just write it out to the end. I just hit a point where I don't care if it upsets him. I don't care if it embarrasses him. I don't care what I have to go through. I just need the encounter to stop altogether. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. I just don't think I want to do this anymore. And he was like, oh, well, it's okay. Like, like, let's just hang out and we'll see what happens. And I was like, no, I think really, I think you should leave. It was so hard because he, he is a friend and I didn't want him, I didn't want to ruin that. But at the same time, it was, it was the point that I felt very uncomfortable. So fast forward, he does leave. Candy stood there, relieved, but still rattled by the awkwardness of it all. And she called her best friend. And I'm like, oh my God, why did I do this? And she's like, Candy, we see him all the time. What are you going to do? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. The next day when she woke up, she said the full embarrassment of how horrendous the encounter was really hit her. I go to the bathroom and take off my shirt to step in the shower and look in the mirror. And my poor girls, I mean, they look like they're a cheetah, just bruises of every shade all over, like fingerprints. It's just, it's so awful that I literally took pictures and sent it to my girlfriends and they were like, you look like you've been beaten. It was just, just a nightmare. And definitely solidified that that relationship or whatever could have been there was definitely going nowhere. (laughs) She took care of her cheetah spots with a topical cream, and gradually they faded away. Before that, she did snap a photo of herself wearing a sports bra so you could see the top of her breasts and plenty of the bruises. She sent it to the guy with this message. Obviously, things did not go the way either of us planned, but I just wanted to share this with you. She did not want the same thing to happen to someone else. He was my friend, and I just wanted to tell him so that he knew for the future. I was like, if you do this with another girl, like, just please don't do this with another girl. (laughs) You know what I mean? Wow. How did he respond? That's what was interesting is, you know, I... I don't know what I expected, but I I guess I didn't expect the defensiveness that he sort of came at me with. And, you know, of course, it was like, well, a lot of girls like it rough and blah, blah, blah. And I just wanted to be like, oh, but honey, there's a difference between like the light choking and this, you know what I mean? (laughs) There is also this super important thing called consent. Please don't ever assume that someone likes it rough. Ask first. Talk about what you're into. 
get on the same page. Speaking of pages, I asked Candy if experiences like that one, or far better ones, inform her writing. If doozies like that one motivate her to come up with hotter sex scenes. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, I feel like I get more into my creative, imaginative space when I'm writing, particularly sex scenes. And I think it's because that's a part of me that's a little a little too intimate, right, to just put on paper and put out there. But sometimes if there's a really great experience that I have, I can't help but write about it. I, it definitely bleeds into it because it was something so exciting and something that's easy to get excited about writing. Has the opposite been true too? Like has writing sexy stories had an impact on your sex life? Absolutely. I think from writing romance, I have 100% opened myself up to being more more communicative with what I want, what I need, and what works. There was definitely a time when I would sit back and just whatever happened, happened, and whether or not I finished or not was not even on my radar. It was so far from what I was thinking in that moment. It was more like, do I look okay? Am I making the right noises for him? It was just all thinking about what the end was for the person I was with. And then I sort of hit this milestone where I realized I didn't want to be, I didn't want to shy away from what I wanted anymore. And I knew what I did. I knew my body pretty intimately. I just was too scared to ask as if it was like embarrassing to ask for a man to, I don't know if I can say this on your show, but to touch my clit or like to let me be in the position that works for me. I started writing about women who took control of that situation. And I mean, you can see it in my writing. In her first few books, she said, the guy leads in sex and he has this dominating alpha energy. And then this transition starts to happen. And now in almost all of my books, it's the woman who's totally in control and taking control of what's happening and, and where it's going. And she's always the priority. Not that, you know, that's necessarily has to be the way it is all the time. But I want any woman who picks up my book to know they shouldn't be afraid to ask for what they want and that it is sexy to confidently claim what turns you on and what turns you off and that it can broaden the sexual experience to be so much more. That story reminded me of an interview I did with Logan Pierce. He's a former porn star and the author of Between the Sheets, Rise of a Working Stiff. I spoke with him for a 2020 Girl Boner episode called Sex Tips from Erotica Authors. For his advice, he spoke about the importance of learning to accept sexual feedback from a partner. Here's a clip from that episode. My primary advice would be to be more open-minded and receptive to constructive criticism from your partner, as well as encouraging, and by association, speaking up yourself about your wants, your needs, and your boundaries. You know, things that are, are very sensitive topics, things that a lot of people rarely discuss. You know, they keep it inside. 
and they hope that their partner will just read their mind and do what they want. And in that case, a lot of people are left unsatisfied, you know? The criticism portion, if our partner has a specific want or need that we're not fulfilling, when they bring it up to us, I know from my past experience, I might have a tendency to be defensive about it. It's not a healthy habit to have because A, you're, you're almost guaranteed to not fulfill those needs and, and B, you're, you're sort of shutting down your partner and by association, uh, limiting their ability to, you know, to openly speak up about a very sensitive topic that leaves people very vulnerable. Logan said he learned all of this through personal experience, like so many of us do, and largely the hard way. He can't quite offer tried-and-true wisdom on how to address these challenges, he said, because he is still figuring it out for himself. But I've come to realize that that's very important through my failed relationships. You know, I've had quite a few relationships in the past that have started off amazing. And, and they would continue that way. And then once like small issues specifically regarding sex would arise, I wouldn't be as open as, as I might, you know, have once thought I was, or even as I, as I might claim to be sometimes I would become defensive and it just wasn't a very healthy thing to do. And it would just cause a lot of issues in the relationship outside the bedroom too. Your sex life is an extension of everything else. So if you're unfulfilled, sexually you know it can come out in other ways and with a relationship it's just it's a tough thing to navigate you know your partner should be someone who you can confide in who's willing to offer the things that that you personally need and if they're not willing to do that then you know the relationship most likely will not work out not only that logan said but the flip side of that is really positive and might be just the thing to not only bring more heat and pleasure to your sex life, but salvage and benefit your relationship in some pretty awesome ways. If your partner is satisfied, you will be satisfied. I mean, at least in my life, I find that I usually get a lot of satisfaction out of making people happy. And once again, your partner is, is the closest person to you. That's that's the person you love, the person you want to give everything to. So if you can make them happy, it will bring happiness into your, in your life as well. But like I said earlier, that's an ongoing struggle for me. And due to COVID and everything, well, my last relationship ended essentially at the start of 2020. And I haven't had sex in my private life since then. So it's hard to really put all this into practice, but I've had a lot of time away from a relationship to really reflect on it. And that's where I've sort of come to this realization that you need to be more receptive. I need to be more receptive. We could all benefit from being more receptive and more encouraging of other people's voices. And once again, their wants, needs, and boundaries, three very important things, boundaries especially, which are very hard to discuss. But moving forward, I, I would like to just encourage that from my future partners. So remember Zencaster, the podcasting platform I mentioned earlier? Here are a few more awesome things about it. Studio quality, without having to go to or pay for a studio. Local recording, which means that even if the internet goes out, 
you won't miss a beat. And HD video recording. If you want to share visual excerpts on Instagram or you host a video podcast, trust me, you want this. Learn more at zencaster.com pricing and use the promo code GIRLBONERRADIO to save 30% on your first three months. Learning to express our desires and accept feedback really are important for all of us in terms of sex. And trust me, it goes in all gender directions. Although women and femmes more often learn to be pleasers and men and masculine folks more often learn to see sex as a conquest in some way and to not really express themselves intimately. Still, I would say that most of us, regardless of sex or gender, can all stand to hone these skills. I know I have personally been on both sides of doing not so well. So before we get to today's last segment, here are a few practices I recommend. First, get in touch with your own desires so you know what to express in the first place. I really like self-reflection and journaling for this. Second, use positive framing when you share a desire. Say something like, I would really love it if you would blank my blank, versus something that sounds complainy. As a caveat, you can complain as much as you would like and as loudly as you wish when someone is harming you, always. Whack that person where it counts if you are in danger, I mean it. Or do whatever you have to to get out of the situation. These tips are for a safe and healthy pairing. Third, as far as feedback goes, ask your partner or partner's thoughtful questions. Ask about their desires, about how they're feeling. Pay attention and check in. Fourth, when someone shares feedback about their desires or experience, really listen. They are probably sharing because they care about you and your experience too. And if this kind of communication is pretty new for the relationship, it might take a lot of vulnerability and courage, which means you mean a lot to them and they really are putting forth effort. If you feel yourself starting to get defensive, pause, take a breath and say, with genuine care and curiosity, tell me more. Last, know that we all make mistakes. I know that I can be a big blurter, which doesn't always bode well for great communication. If you mess up, you start talking, and not the greatest words come out of your mouth, start over. You could say, hang on, can we just pause for a second? That didn't come out the way I hoped it would. I'd really like to try again. Now on to our last segment. Rachel Kramer Bustle knows a lot about ways that stories can impact our sex lives. She's an author, journalist, erotica writing teacher, and editor who has edited over 70 spicy anthologies. She told me she has always been a writer, even writing letters to the editor when she was in high school. 
In her early 20s, she started writing erotica, which is still the only fiction she writes. I think I, in general, maybe have more of a nonfiction brain than a fiction brain, but for some reason, erotica really captured my attention. I was reading a lot of it, and I was intrigued by it, and at the same time, I was experimenting a lot in my sex life, and those were things that I wanted to write about. I had been reading erotica for a few years, and then I saw a call for submissions for a book called Starfucker, which was celebrity erotica. And I thought, I'm going to try this. Like, I've never written this kind of thing before, but I'm just going to write what comes to mind. And that was a story called Monica and Me, which was about Monica Lewinsky. The, The other character, the me, was basically me. You know, in some ways, it was a celebrity fantasy. And then that got published. And it was so exciting to me. Like, I remember I cried when I saw it. That was so thrilling. And then I wrote more stories. And not all of them got published, but some of them did. And that was just really exciting. And now being on the other side of that, I get to be that person for many writers. A lot of them will say, this is my first time writing erotica or they'll put that in their bio. And that is really inspiring for me. That just motivates me to want to keep editing more and more anthologies. Rachel now works with authors from around the world who bring different perspectives on sex, relationships, and writing. She's always learning about how to turn people on with writing, she said. And she believes that we can all learn a great deal from erotic fiction in ways that bring more heat and pleasure to our lives. This is not to knock nonfiction because I'm a fan of nonfiction sex books. I think they're really helpful to a lot of people. But I think because erotica is fiction, that alone, regardless of the details of what's in the erotica, I think can put people in a different headspace because it doesn't feel like, oh, these are instructions to follow or you know, especially if you're you're sharing it with a partner and saying, oh, maybe we could read this together. What do you think of this? I think there's just something freeing about that because it's like watching a movie or reading any other kind of fiction. The organizing principle is that it's other people and, you know, they're, they're strangers when you start reading about them. And I think that can be really exciting because if you go into it with an open mind, you may discover something that turns you on about that story that you wouldn't have thought would turn you on. And that's something that's happened to me as a reader, where if you had said to me, oh, like, would you be interested in reading about X? Just something that I wouldn't have thought that personally would turn me on. And then if someone brings it to life in a way that I'm like hanging on their every word, I think that's such a magical, in some ways, experience. It's a really powerful one. And I found that erotica readers will remember what they've read for many, many years. If if it's something that really speaks to them, you know, I think for that reason, it, it can be very powerful and it can give people ideas, but it might not be the literal idea. It might not be, okay, this person wrote about, you know, being hogtied to a bed and having this happen to them, like having hot wax melted on them. 
maybe that is what the person who reads it wants to do, but maybe that just opens up an idea for them of that turned me on a lot. What about that turned me on? Was it the specific sex toys that they were using or the specific language or dirty talk that they were having? Or was it just that someone was restrained or was it just something totally different that they had never thought about? That's important, Rachel said, because it can be easy to limit ourselves as far as our desires and even what we allow ourselves to fantasize about. Another way erotic stories can bring more sizzle to our sex lives involves what we were talking about earlier, communicating about our desires. I think it can be very hard to talk with a partner. And I actually think the longer you're with someone, if you haven't been talking about it all along, the more challenging it can be, especially if you think that they're going to feel like, oh, you've had this thought and you haven't told me. I think that can build up and then it can be a cycle where you you don't speak to them because you're not sure what they're going to say. So I think erotica, you can read it together, you know, maybe one reading to the other or alternating reading or also listening to it. There's a lot of apps and podcasts and audiobooks that you can listen to. You can present it just as something that's enjoyable, or you can use it to bring up a specific fantasy. For example, you could say, I've been thinking about, you know, spanking and I've been fantasizing about it. What do you think? It can be, hey, I found this thing. Maybe we can read this together or listen to this and see what happens. You know, I think it can be more open-ended when you're starting that conversation of let's try this, like the listening or the reading can be the activity. Taking in erotic stories can also provide an alternative for folks who aren't into visual porn. I mean, I never want to pit the one against the other because I think for some people, visual porn is amazing. And for some people, they're more into wanting to use their imagination. And I think listening to erotica or reading erotica lets you visualize it in whatever way you want to visualize it. When you're watching, it's a very clear image that might still spark a a different image for you and you can fantasize, but I think you can more easily put yourself and or your partner into a situation when you're, when you're reading about it or listening in a way that, that you can't as much when you're seeing it right in your eye. Reading erotic stories can also bring you deeper into the characters' minds, which is really where the hottest parts of sex happen. You'll find a lot of the characters' thoughts about what's happening and elements about the sexual tension and their arousal. You can also read about things that aren't traditionally considered sexy, but that relate to sex. There's a good example in Rachel's anthology that was released last summer, coming soon, Women's Orgasm Erotica in a story called After by Katrina Jackson. And it's about a woman dealing with her sexuality after having had a baby and her hormones are out of whack and just her body feels different and her life is different. And her and her partner are trying to figure out like how to, how to handle that. My sense is that they're each trying to figure that out. It's troubling to them because she she wants to be turned on, 
they both want to be having the kind of sex that they used to have, but they're facing obstacles. And I feel like that kind of thing in terms of people facing whatever kinds of obstacles you won't see as much in visual porn. Cause I think people are watching that for maybe different reasons. So I think you will find in erotica people having stumbling blocks, whether that's anxiety or physical issues, and then overcoming them and finding that sexual happiness. Erotic fiction can also bring a sense of relatability and representation, while sparking desire and new ideas. Another story in Coming Soon, called Love and Porn in a Retirement Home by Claire Cup, features a sexually curious woman who is not in her 20s, 30s, or 40s. It's about a woman, you know, a grandmother who's living in a retirement home and, you know, is, is curious about some aspects of sex. And she she actually does start watching some porn and some adventures ensue. And that is a perspective I would like to see more in erotic writing. Rachel has also received many submissions that involve social distancing or long-distance sex and romance, given that she has edited stories throughout the pandemic. There's also a great story called House of Fingers by Sienna St. Sir about a non-binary character who goes to a sex party. It features a lot of negotiation and consent and concern for people's comfort levels. All of these stories have an emphasis on pleasure, but that's far from all that's happening, which in a lot of ways is like sex. Her collections are almost always about more than merely getting off even in Coming Soon, which puts female orgasm at the center. I mean, I feel like I don't want to downplay it. Like, of course, the stories I think are sexy and that is their purpose. But I think there's also more than sex going on. And I think they also grapple with kind of sometimes that push-pull of people want something, but then there's a part of them that's like, I don't know. They know that they want it, but then, you know, fulfilling that maybe is challenging. I mean, of course, there's lots of orgasms in in all my erotica books, but I think by putting the focus on it, especially when we're talking about women's orgasms, it gave the authors a chance to explore, A, sometimes how fraught orgasm is for women, like in the story about the woman after she's given birth, like how something that you think you know about yourself how that works for you, how your sexuality works, can change with time. Rachel's books also feature many fantasies getting fulfilled, which is something we can all learn from, strive for, and have fun just thinking about. Learn more about the guests featured in this episode at the links in the show notes or on my blog at augustmclaughlin.com. Reviewers have called Candy Steiner's latest book, called Washed Up, 
sexy, inspirational, emotional, and hopeful. Rachel Kramer Bustle's latest anthology, Best Women's Erotica of the Year, Volume 7, is available in print, ebook, and audiobook forms. And her next release, The Big Book of Orgasms, Volume 2, 69 Sexy Stories, will be out next month. If you are enjoying Girl Boner Radio, I would love to hear from you by way of a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the iTunes Store. You can also support the show and get fun extras by joining my community at patreon.com slash girlboner. And if you check out Zencaster for podcasting, I want to hear about it. Learn more or sign up at the discount link in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>